Well, my friends, on this third Sunday of Lent, we hear how some people came to Jesus with a political concern um, because Pilate, Pontius Pilate, uh, some foreshadowing that now he's introduced into the gospel narrative where he'll later play uh, a decisive part. Pontius Pilate mixes, we hear, the blood of these prisoners condemned to capital punishment uh, with the blood of the sacrifices. And that is a sacrilege, right? That is not just capital punishment. That's just not being an oppressive occupying force. That now is a political authority stepping on the worship of God and committing a sacrilege. Um, It's the blood offerings in the temple that are worship offered to God. It's sacrifice offered to God. And to mix this political agenda of oppression and um, submit, you know, submitting the, the locals uh, to Roman rule is sacrilegious. And that we see um, that this, is, this speaks to a truth that political authorities of any form have no authority over religious worship. That the political arm of society doesn't have the authority over the worship of the one true God. And that when political figures try to mix political agenda agenda into religious worship, uh, it becomes sacrilegious. It becomes that we're more motive that they want to impose um, a political agenda into the worship of God, which is meant to be directed to God alone. But it gets better because we live in a democracy. So who is the governing political class? We, the people. And therefore, when we want to just mix our political agenda first and foremost into the worship of God so that our Sunday church celebrations become more about politics uh, than about doctrine and the truth of the worship of God, then we... Um, not in as explicit a way as Pilate, but in a way are committing sacrilege. That we are trying to mix just uh, and make the church and the church's worship a political agent. And that we want to just push our political agenda in the midst of the church. Now, there is a place, particularly in the preaching office of the bishop and shared by the priests and deacons, to speak about important civic issues. There is a place for the formation of God's people. But church pulpits should never become political podiums where just it's more about the politics than it is about worship. And our participation in the life of the church, particularly in the worship, can never become more about our politics than it is about the worship of Almighty God. And so we have to be so um, aware that it's not just about those who are in positions of governance not interfering on church services. Okay, Um, but we have to be sure that we, in our role of involved and active citizens in the midst of our society, which is essential and good, that we don't put the cart before the horse. We'll come back to that. Um, Here's another thing. Jesus, when they bring him this, is like, yeah, okay, but what about you? 
are you going to repent, right? And then let's look at another thing. The Tower of Siloam, right? Newspaper headline. Tower of Siloam falls down. Um, 12 killed, right? 18, sorry. 18 killed as Tower of Siloam falls. Newspaper headline. That's what our gospel message should be about. I come to church to get, you know, the newspaper headlines. That I want the, the there was a line after the Second Vatican Council, a, a, um, a bad kind of motto. That was not what the Second Vatican Council promoted or taught, which is the world sets the agenda for the church. Uh, the world, you know, it's all about the worldly standard. And wherever the world says we should be, the church has to get on board with that. And that can happen, not just with regard to political things, but with regard to what is successful in a worldly way. That can happen with regard to the fact that maybe I want to come to church to be entertained. That that's what we should be as the church. I want you all to keep coming, right? We like full churches. So what do I have to do as the person marketing something? I have to entertain you because that's my job as a priest to keep you entertained, right? I recently heard from somebody, um, you know, I think we're generally a little entertaining, Father G and I, and I, someone was, was, we were both there, and they're like, oh, I was telling my grandmother how funny Father Gutierrez is, and he's so funny. And I'm like, I'm funny? Like, come on, I'm funny, right? You're all, I'm funny? And they're like, well, Father, you tell, you know, you make, uh, you know, references to yourself, but Father Gutierrez is so funny, right? He's so funny. And I'm like, oh, come on. I'm... No, but the point is, um, as, as good as that can be helpful to receiving a message, this isn't comedy hour with Father Casey or Father Gutierrez, right? No, and it's not just about let's be entertaining and let's subject the worship of God to entertainment. So that you can all be entertained and keep on coming, let's make this a clown show, right? Let's make, let's just kind of take away the reverence of the mass to entertain people, to make them, you know, feel like they're at some kind of show or whatever. And so we're going to, we're going to subject the worship of God himself to entertainment, to entertainment value, to make it entertaining so that people keep coming back and whatever. If we go down that path, we've already lost because we don't understand the whole purpose of what we're even doing, which is the worship of God. We come here every Sunday to worship God. We give praise and thanksgiving, right? Adoration all to Almighty God. That's why we're here. Whether it's entertaining or not, God is so much bigger than that. And we are offering him our worship. I don't know if you know this, but the English author J.R.R. Tolkien it was a very devout Catholic. He would go to daily mass, right? He'd go to mass. He'd also apparently go to confession every day too. Uh, but he, he was super devout, right? But, and they, this is Oxford, right? He's an Oxford down. The guy wrote the Lord of the Rings, right? Okay, um, and he, would, he told his son Christopher, every now and again, you should go to Mass with a priest who really gives a bad homily. Like, doesn't do a good job. They're not, not that bright, right? Celebrates Mass, does it well, but it's not, it's not a super flashy, entertaining thing. You should do that every so often. Because it's not about being entertained. It's about worship. That we offer worship. 
whether uh, the homily is good or bad, whether the church is full or empty, whether the pews are comfortable or uncomfortable, we offer worship. That's what we're here to do. God is so much bigger than all these other things. That's what we get with Moses in the first reading, right? Um, God calls Moses, you're going to go set my people free. And Moses is like, okay, well, which, which God are you, right? Which God, there's a lot of gods, so which, which one are you? So I can tell the people which God it is, right? Uh, no, I am. What's, well, what's your name? I am, right? Not I am this one or I am that one or I'm one among many. Bigger than all of that, I am. God is transcendent. God is bigger than any category we could place upon him. Just I am. I was just talking to someone yesterday um, about the truth about who God is and all that. And it's like you could give things like, okay, God is good. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is love, right? But ultimately, like, all of those, even those words fall short. Because what do we say about God? God is. The most important thing, the biggest thing we could say about God is simply God is. God is so much bigger than anything else we could say. And so when Moses is like, well, which God are you, right? What one among many? What, what brand of political thing are you? What, what party are we signing up for to get out of Egypt? No, no, no. God is. God is so much bigger than any of our divisions as human beings, any of the ways we classify things. God is. And that is the transcendent God that we worship. No matter what political party, no matter what particular stance on different things, God is. And we worship. Then, when we rightly understand that, then right worship and right understanding of who God is, overflows into action. That we don't just start with action and subject our religion to it. Rather, when we rightly have worshipped, worship overflows into action. Having been made right by the worship of God, the worship of God rightly orders us, and then when we are right-ordered, But you, unless you convert, well, when we've been converted, when we've been made right by God, then we can overflow into action. Action follows worship. And so we pray, we worship, we allow God to shape us, to call us to greater conversion, each and every one of us. We ourselves recognize we're sinners, all of us. Any of us that preach the gospel to someone, we're sinners. We all fall short of it some way, absolutely, each in our own way. But when we've been rightly ordered and we've come and we worship, then, then as real Christians, then we can be active. Then we can share the gospel. Then we can call others, exhort them with love and charity to the moral life of the church, right? To live the moral life. We can do that when we've been rightly ordered. So it's not just me pushing a political issue but rather, it's me. I've, been, I've met Jesus Christ. I've fallen in love with him. He's shaped my life. He saved me. And I want to introduce him to you. I want to introduce you to him. I want to offer you something that I've received. Not just pushing an issue, but rather offering life-changing conversion, life-changing happiness with the Son of God.
That's, that's how we're active as Catholics. That we should be active, absolutely. But it flows from relationship with Jesus Christ. My friends, this is the message we get today. God is transcendent. We worship him here in the sacrifice of the Mass, not subjecting it to political movements or entertainment. God is. And this God, who is so transcendent, became one of us and died for us so that we could be freed from sin. And so we ask our Lord to give us his grace of real personal conversion, real personal ordering around right worship, and then to see that overflow into all of our actions in society so that the gospel message can be the transformative power for every person and bring them to the fullness of life in Jesus Christ.